I don't think the analyst is going to be replaced because at the end of the day, there still needs to be a human element to the interpretation of the data and, um, and things like that. But also, you know, a commander doesn't have the time to sit behind a computer and, and start prompting right. AI and be like, where's the bad guys? <laughs> yeah, stuff like, yeah. And then you've got to read through all this reporting. You've got to send someone to put that together for them and give them a brief. So, Welcome back to Insightful Inquiries. This month, we are rejoined by Cole, a veteran of the New Zealand military where he served as an intelligence analyst. Cole has deployed multiple times to the Middle East, working in various roles as an intelligence professional. After leaving the military, Cole began to work in the government sector as an intelligence professional. Outside of that work, he started the Instagram account, allcom.intel, which offers insights into the Indo-Pacific region. If you are interested in events in the Indo-Pacific, follow Cole's Substack, where he discusses the most important events in that region. We are so happy to have Cole back on the podcast. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. All right. Welcome, Cole, back to the podcast from allcon.intel. Cole, welcome back. Hey, Kevin. How's it going? I'm happy to be here again. Um, always a pleasure to speak with you. Yeah, it's always it's always good through whether it's Instagram or, or through the podcast and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just love bouncing ideas off of you, and uh, I think we have similar personalities, so so we kind of see things through the same lens. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's um it's been a while as well, so I'm I'm sure we've got a few ideas to bounce around on this chat too. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I know uh, what piqued my interest the most was you started talking about using uh, AI uh, eh. as an Intel analyst. Eh. Um, so I know I, I want to get into that, but uh, but first I just want to get into, yeah, it's been a while. So what have you been up to? Yeah, so uh, for anyone that's listening uh, to me for the first time, so my name's Cole. Uh, I run uh, what's first started as a, a simple social media platform, uh, started as Allcon S2. Um, and that's kind of evolved into uh, Orcon Intel, and I've kind of migrated to other platforms. So, um, in in that respect, uh, what I try to do is bring uh, like geopolitics and and current events um, to the forefront uh, of you know the public, and also offer insight to what's happening in the world, and kind of just simplify things um, so things are more digestible and understandable. Uh, since then, uh, I've now launched my own agency which is kind of combines um intelligence and content smushes them together and provides that as a service uh aside from you know and i also got the newsletter and like subsect newsletter podcast going on and, and all the other good stuff so yeah been pretty busy yeah are you thinking of sticking with substack do you like you like that as a platform for the newsletter yeah i think it the only reason because so what i did with the newsletter so i started on substack uh and then i built my website and then I changed over to a different service where I had full control of the newsletter game. Uh, but because I'm quite time poor, I don't have the time to spend to optimize it and spend big money on these other platforms to do that for me. Uh, right. So I, I went back to Substack and I already had uh, an audience there that was kind of um, you know committed to Substack and that's what they're used to. Uh, and, and ultimately, I think Substack is a great uh, platform to grow on and, and to, to write. Um, and also, if you go down the paid uh, subscriber route, there's also that, and that's all taken care of. Uh, they just collect a small fee. Um, but, you know, for the most part, it's free uh, and it works. It's got a good reputation and it's only growing. The platform's getting bigger. So I think it's a good opportunity to, to just stay with uh, Substack. Yeah, so it's that, and I'm doing mine through Beehive, and yeah. this is no, oh, you should do this over this. This isn't the con, that's not here, the conversation that we're trying to have here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I look at it as, um, and I've been hearing a lot of conversations right now about owning mm. your content. Eh. 
And even with, you know, I'm doing it through BI, you're doing it through Substack. Um, and, and so even with those, we really don't own our content. And so yeah, I've just been yeah. thinking about what, you know, what is the future for us? Because we are in a field where we can definitely get shut down very quickly yeah because of the types of things that that we're trying to broadcast the types of things we're trying to bring uh to to the forefront you look like you look at popular front if you know that instagram mm. account mm. Yeah. and instagram has shut them down multiple times because of the content that they're sharing yeah right yeah so i i, I absolutely agree and that's something i'm always quite cognizant of and that's kind of that's the first reason why i started a website because with the website at least i own it and it's very hard to shut that down but, you know, when you're operating on things like Instagram, uh, Twitter, or now X, and even Substack, there's always that risk if you get too, a bit too controversial, um, or if you, you go down certain narratives, then, you know, they're going to pretty much throw the book at you. And the thing with Substack as well, I think at the moment, it, it's it's quite free and open, but once it gets to the point, or if it does get to the point where they start, um, you know, really uh, stomping down on, on what people write about and things like that... Um, then yeah, then I'd probably start looking to go back to my own service. But at, at, for the most part, you know, it's easy. So I, I stick the Substack. Yeah, yeah. I know you know I've heard a lot of great things about Substack. I do really like the the theory behind it. You know, it's kind of like mm. a blog. Yeah. Um, and you have that, like you said, there's like the subscriber portion where you yeah. can have it behind a paywall and and people pay in order to see that kind of content. So I really like that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, I think another, I don't think we had this discussion at all the last time, and I, uh, the last time you were on, um, I'm pretty sure Elon Musk did not take over Twitter at that point. No, I don't think so, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so back before then, so we're talking 2022, for me, Twitter, which is now X, was like this great open source intelligence mm. platform because yeah. of the way that humans interacted on it. And, and I will give my current analysis of the situation but i'd love to hear how what you've seen going on on x right now because yeah. uh, what i have seen is it has kind of devolved away from yep. this sort of open source intelligence platform yeah. um especially with what musk is trying to do which is um you know not show a lot so unless you're a, a, subs- a paid subscriber to x you can't really go into like the api and yeah. kind of do those kind of open source things. <laughs> and so I'm noticing it's just a bunch of um, just people bickering back and forth. I'll see a yeah. lot of that. And there's an increase of these like grifters with, you know, hundreds of thousands. I mean, I see a post by someone that's so wildly inaccurate yeah. and they've got 500,000 followers yep. of, of people that just love to do that. I'm like, this is proven inaccurate half the stuff that this person's saying so that's what i have seen on it yeah and and maybe hopefully you've gotten a different direction and then offline we can kind of talk about how i can correct myself yeah yeah um yeah so so twitter's interesting and i absolutely agree it's it's certainly changed um i don't i'm not sure if it's for the better either and you know from an intelligence um standpoint if you're talking about like open source collection used to be a great great platform um especially when you're able to leverage the api um, and just you know doing twitter scrapes i'm sure you would have done it back in your parts or you had analysts who did do it um yep. you know at, for example at the height you know the height of isis twitter was an absolute goldmine for things um you could paint a pretty good intelligence picture purely based off social media um but you know that's kind of that's moved away now and now as you said i think it's a platform for a lot of narratives and opinions rather than you know genuine say you know some really good impartial facts and things like that and there's there's certainly a lot of grifters and i see a lot of people who own or they've got a business or they're just trying to sell sell you something and they'll just make these threads upon threads upon threads um and they've got thousands of followers and it's just a platform for them to push their product um and a lot of the time the product i've noticed personally it's it's like a um they're gurus you know you you know right (laughs) yeah yeah how do oh, I, yeah, a 30, 30 day millionaire, you know, yeah. Is this and a, lot, come to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. a lot of like, uh, oh, I, here's how I use AI to leverage, yeah, you know, my marketing strategy. And it's a 15 tweet thread about how I'm doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And those, um, 
a lot of people have made these small AI tools, very niche ones, and then that's their like their software as a service, and they'll just pump that through through X, and it, it get, they get traction. But um, I'm not sure that is the platform. Even though I'm like semi-present on it, I don't really use it anymore. Um, yeah. There are still a few good people on there. There's a lot of academics, especially in New Zealand, that still use it, and they've got some really good insights. But for the most part, I don't think it's um, I don't think it's the platform of choice for the kind of stuff yeah. we do. Yeah, and so, like I said, I, I agree with that. And I was, you know, when when Musk took over, I, yeah. I kind of made fun of the people saying Twitter's dead and and yeah. he's going to kill it. And I was of the opinion that let's just let it play out. Let's see yeah. what happens. But it's it's kind of like, I think there's too much change too quickly in yeah. trying to test out what works and what doesn't. That's something that should be tested on the development side, not broadcasted to the entire, what, 300-something million or whatever it is that, that are on Twitter. Yeah, and... Even the branding. So I'm like, I'm not a billionaire mogul or anything like that. So I'm just a simple, simple dude. But to get rid of, you know, years of brand equity in Twitter and then overnight, boom, it's X, like this dark logo with a cross. It's just, yeah, it doesn't make sense. And even that, yeah. like people that, that'll turn people away. Yeah. I don't know. It's just weird. It's a weird space at the moment. Yeah. And it's this, uh, this move towards, I think, a minimalist branding. Um, yeah. So it's, so in the US, we have, you know, professional football or yeah. American football as, as we call it. And we've got the national football league, but the rock bought the XFL from, okay. um, uh, and I can't, I can't remember, uh, the guy's name, the owner of the WWE. Yeah. Um, so they went bankrupt and, and the rock bought yeah. it and he completely rebranded it. It was all minimalist. Yeah. So it's basically the okay. same that, that white black and white X yeah, is the same thing for the XFL, and so oh, wow. it's just I, I don't know what's going on. It's just these companies are, are moving to that. But is even X with what's that? Uh, is XFL like a tier two competition? Yeah, it's oh, it's yeah. definitely tier two. Um, yeah. And there's about there's two of them now. There's the USFL and the XFL, and they're a tier below the NFL. And then oh, you've got right. college, which is their amateur level. Yep. Um, but even talking about, you brought up such a great point, the rebranding yeah. of something that was an institution yeah. around the world. And yet now, not only are you rebranding because it was Twitter and now it's X, but you have tweets. Yeah. And and now they're posts. Yeah. I think. <laughs> um, yeah. No one knows. Yeah. Uh, retweets are now maybe reposts. Yeah. And then just the likes alike, right? But yeah, that's that's a complete overhaul of something that worked. Yeah, exactly. And you know, when when a brand becomes part of you know everyday vocabulary, uh, um, vocabulary as Twitter did, you know, tweets like, oh, just let me send a tweet or check out this tweet. Um, yeah, you, and you just overnight you just cut that away. Yeah, it's a it's such a weird move. Obviously, he's got a, a plan bigger than bigger than me, yeah. in, in my opinions. But yeah. I don't know if it was the right one. It's like every point. social media platform is a post, right? Instagram, yeah. you make, you create a post. Facebook, you create a post. Twitter was, you even LinkedIn is a post. Yeah. But Twitter was a tweet and we're tweeting. And did you see that tweet? Yeah. So it's, it kind of, you know, pushed itself away from all the other. That's what made it unique and popular yeah. was that it wasn't what all the other social media platforms were. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And do, to hashtags, did they kind of originate on on Twitter as well, or was that I like think more so. of it? Yeah, yeah I, I yeah. think that is. Um, I, I'm sure somebody listening could correct us, but I really believe that that's where that started as a way right. to to really um, kind of get all that information yeah. into one little section so that everybody yeah. can see it. It's not just blasted all over the place. Yeah, but yeah. Twitter or X, it's a it's a really strange space, you know. Even in terms of engagement, um, if you look at like the likes, the comments, uh, things like that, and replies, I always feel like that those are quite low. And like the actual metric that that people really care about now is just the impressions or the reach yeah. you get. Yeah, like oh look how many people saw it, but not really engaged with it, just saw it. Right. Whereas on other platforms like Instagram and, and things like that, then your engagement and people actually interacting with the content is a bit a lot higher. 
yeah it's I, um i don't really and, i don't really oh you go you go i was all i was gonna say was that um you know all that all that elon did there was just put the impressions yeah. and we as a number-based system as humans were like you know no no likes no retweets no tweets you know no comments on it but twenty-two thousand impressions and you can see <laughs> that and you're like oh look what i did and so you see that large number and it, it just i guess gets people to go uh yeah, I love this. So, you know, I've got 22,000 impressions here. What is what does that mean? I don't know, but I got it and it's a large number to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but for from my perspective and I, the thing I really enjoy about social media and always have is just the engagement part and the yep. opportunity to meet people like to like like to yourselves like we met through social media. Um Yep. And you know, lots of opportunity there, but when you're just looking at impressions or someone's scrolled through your content and that engagement doesn't happen i think you know it's a missed opportunity oh it definitely is and and the people that are doing that are the ones that you know the ones that are just looking for the impressions they are the ones that you were just talking about the gurus the the, you know money marketing and here's how i made 30 million dollars in two weeks or whatever it is they don't care they don't want the engagement um i think that's unique in what we what you and i have done with uh you know dozens of other accounts that yeah. now we've interacted with. I have Man. personally, you know, I've gone out and met in person some of the people that that I can. Um, I know oh, we have awesome. talked. If I'm in New Zealand, I'm heading right over to you. Absolutely. As soon as I get there, um, and I think that might be unique for the intelligence community. Yeah, yeah, and that's that, that's one of the things I'm most thankful about. Uh, after starting my own platform, I was kind of just tapping into that 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 pool of intelligence analysts. You know, granted, a lot of people aren't. Like some some of them, are, I think, are probably just college kids or high school kids just fucking yeah. around. But um, there there are some really genuine people out there who are actually in the business. Um, and to be able to to unlock that through social media, it's uh, it's an awesome thing that a lot of people weren't really aware of, and I, especially in New Zealand. So, you know, going back, I, I think I was the first one to start something um, like what I did with All Connors too, mm-hmm. um, to the point where I, I ended up giving a presentation to uh the new zealand institute of intelligence professionals just to talk about the things that i that i kind of unlocked through um Orcon and then you know the engaging with the wider intelligence community through social media which you know traditionally you're kind of restricted to restricted channels whatever you've got on right the side and things like that yeah yeah, yeah and, and we need as as intel analysts we need each other this is this is the career field is bouncing ideas off of each other and, and saying, yeah. Hey, this is what I'm seeing. Can you kind of give me another set of eyes? And then you yeah. do that like multi-source reporting where yeah. some of the best stuff is talking to another analyst and having them disagree and play devil's advocate with you. Mm. And yeah. I, there's some of the accounts on social media that will do that, that yeah. you'll make a post and, and it's not the the kind of person that just sees something and automatically says, "Yeah, that's you know." I think just put a post about um, Zelensky firing a few people for corruption, and a lot yeah. of the comments yeah. are, "Well, he's corrupt," and you know, yeah. all this like, "Well, does he think he's not corrupt?" And it's like that's not the point. The point isn't you know, two things can be true at the same time. Yeah. This is what's being reported on, and here's the analysis of that kind of stuff. Yeah. What it what an Intel analyst would do is, as you know, would talk through all of those points and yeah. and kind of what you know what we always do is ask the questions: mm-hmm. who, what, where, when, why, and how. And that why is very important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, intelligence aside, what what's your view on things like collaborating on social media when it comes when it comes to your personal brand or the brand of um, Oakland Analytics? <laughs> What's your view on co- collabing? So if someone came to you and wanted to collaborate on the post and then their their post and templates ends up being on your feed yeah, and it's tied to your brand, what's your what's your view? Do you do, are you into that or is, uh, do you take more of a due diligence approach? So the the due diligence I try to do, um, yeah. I'm, I'm not always, it's not always effective and sometimes I'm not accurate in it, but uh, the first thing is understanding who that brand is so if I'm going to associate my brand with that brand, I 
due diligence is the most important thing to do. And all that is, is just finding out who they are, what they do, you know, things that they have posted in the past, um, and kind of just finding those things, checking their background, their work history. (laughs) To me, that's the most important thing. Um, as like, just for me and my branding, if there's a different brand on my social media post, I have no problem with that. I don't have a problem if it, theirs pops up, you know how they have both. You'll you'll see. Let's say you mm-hmm. and I collabed, and if it said all kind Intel first, and then yep. Oakland Analytics, I have no problem with that. Yep. I'm just worried about if I associate myself, mm-hmm. and then subsequently my brand. That's going to be an issue in the future when yeah. when people are going to go. Can I respect this person? Can I trust this person? We'll look at their associates. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I'm the same. So prior to moving Allcon into a brand, you know, firstly, it was just an outlet or a platform for me to to share share information. So I was kind of a bit more loose with that kind of stuff. But now if you're going to have a brand, behind a brand is credibility, right? And especially in the right. intelligence community, credibility is everything, regardless of whether you're in the IC plugged in as an analyst or you're starting a, a, a your own private bat, uh, bre- sorry, private brand, um, that is still kind of plugged into the intelligence side of the house, but you still need that credibility behind you. And if you're going to be tied to some of these accounts where you don't know who's behind them or every so often they might put out some quite controversial or even incorrect things, yeah, you you don't really want a brand tied to that, which is ultimately going to harm your credibility. But then, you know, if if working with someone like yourself, like ultra credible, fully out there, you know, no issues whatsoever, don't care about the imaging, don't care about the, um, you know, what, what it all looks like. Yeah. But uh, I, I, cause I get a lot of, I get a lot of requests and, and that, that's why I ask. From a kind of, a Everyone large, wants a lot to of, collab with the, with the big man. <laughs> yeah. And I always, um, I, would, I always shut a few down, so, but I feel yeah. bad, but yeah. I mean, you have to, and, and it goes to your, you know, your personal integrity and yeah. And what you're, you're trying to do. Now, what do you think about this? Okay, and I think you kind of mentioned this when you asked the question, which was taking away even the Intel aspect of it. So just hey. as a brand, you collabing with, for like an advertisement, hey. what are your thoughts on that for your brand personally? Yeah, so for my brand, because I, I, you know, I firmly believe nowadays um, having a, a, an, an online presence is important. Uh, for reach, uh, for potential clientele, um, even for, to have an audience is, is really important. There's no two ways about it, um, unless you've got some good connections inside the community, which you can just leverage and do that. Um, but, you know, if you've got to partner with marketing agencies, you'd hope that that agency has an idea of what you're about and what you do. Um, and that's kind of why I'm starting my own brand. I'm not a marketing agency by any means, but... Um, I can work with uh, I can work with similar brands to myself who might want to uh, you know increase their reach, increase their audience, and I can I can help with that with good solid content. And because I understand what they're doing, and I can provide insight, I can provide assessment on things that are happening around the world. That's that's backed by um, analysis. Some of the analysis might just be first line, but at least it's not just an opinion. It's just going to get this just getting thrown out there. It's just considered stuff. That's that's good quality. Um, so yeah, no issues with the marketing and sales side of the house. I just would hope that people are working with other people that get what they're about because intelligence right. and explaining it can be really hit and miss, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's so unique. It's so niche Yeah, that, yeah. Um, and I've never, I have not gone up to any marketing person and tried to have them understand it, um, yeah. which is why we don't, we don't, we haven't put out advertisements. We <laughs> have an ad on our podcast for you know <laughs> the blendjet or whatever yeah. so we've I've, I've accepted that because i've used the product yeah. um but i've had others reach out that i won't because yeah. i don't have the product or it just doesn't match yeah. what i'm trying to do but trying to explain that to a marketing agent uh, yeah. is quite difficult yeah yeah absolutely so like I think the product, um, advertising products through uh, a podcast or even like your own newsletter, I don't. I think that's that's okay personally for me. Um, if I was going to d- choose a product to advertise, I would hope that a company 
that's in the Intel game would come to me and, and be like, hey, can you advertise our <clears throat> our Ozone aggregator kind of thing? Or yeah, or some other, you know, in a in a dreamland, be like, Palantir, Palantir comes to you and be like, hey, can, oh, we yes. again? can you be affiliate for Palantir? I'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, no yeah. issues there. Yeah, because that would be the, that would be trying to think of what companies would be similar that you could collab with for an advertisement. Yeah, Pal- Palantir would be the top level. Yeah. Um, do, do, do Lockheed Martin or Boeing. <laughs> yeah. But that's what I think, Um, like, brands like yourself, and there's so many out there. Uh, what's another one? Great Dynamics. Um, yeah, all yeah. these really niche, uh, small private intelligence agencies, even leveraging each other. Like, hey, this podcast is brought to you by Great Dynamics, X, XYZ. This podcast is brought to you by Oakland Analytics, blah, blah. You know, it's all about that community yeah. and, and just sharing the love. And so, Ed, exactly. And that yeah. is what I love so much about what has happened here is the community that it's brought together. And yeah. it is, it's not a, it's not a competition, right? If, yeah. if this were, uh, I don't know, you know, music or something else, you know, in bands, <laughs> we would probably have some rivalry there. Yeah. As, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're bigger than we are and we want to try to get over you. And in the Intel community, what I've seen on social media is, hey, I see what you're doing. It's so good. Um, here's what I've been doing. Let's, let's have some conversations. Let's bounce questions yeah. off of each other. And there's no competition that I have seen. There is yeah. no one that's going, how definitely I don't go, how am I going to make Oakland Analytics account better than Alcon? Intel. I don't think that way. It's just no. like we're doing two, I would say com- not completely different things, but we're doing different things yeah. on the same page and we're successful in it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and intelligence is just that umbrella, right? And and we all right. kind of feed into that. And we, we all, we're all in the in- intelligence niche, but we also further niche down into our own um, areas of expertise, expertise or what we provide. But at the end of the day, if you're talking about social media and even wider than that, it's it's not a zero sum game. Um, it's and it's well, it's all about sharing. It's all about community. And I I personally think you know, outside of the actual IC, if you're talking about the the social intelligence community, it's more of a community than you might find in the IC. It's very siloed sometimes yeah. in the actual IC. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. It's it's just been a crazy ride. Yeah. Um, I I think that's it's a good time kind of transfer over to discussing artificial intelligence. Yeah, yeah. And I really would love to get not too much into the weeds where you're giving out proprietary information or anything like that, but just talking about, you know, what you've been doing with leveraging AI in order to uh, make it an intelligence analyst, or is that what you were trying to do? Um, Well, I'll I'll shut up now and just let you go. Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, I guess as everyone is well aware, uh, AI is the flavor of the month, so to speak. Uh, and a big part of that, you know, when you mention AI, people think GPT straight away. Right. So when, when that, uh, burst onto the scene, I kind of came across it start of the year. Um, I'm not sure if I was late to the game. Um, and firstly, I'll just caveat that I'm not a data scientist. I'm not a, um, data engineer. Uh, I don't work with AI. Um, I don't have that kind of background. I'm, I'm an Intel analyst. That's that's what I'm trained to do, and that's what I do. So, um, yeah, going back to the AI thing, uh, I noticed that you know, as everyone does, start playing with it, um, start doing some cool things. And by nature of what I do, and um, and how time poor I was, I was like, okay, well, I need. Can I leverage this to to speed up my own process? Has anyone started to leverage this to to create an Intel analyst, or at least? use it to provide insights and assessments or even just collect information uh so that's kind of those are the questions i asked myself and that was the intent so i started off uh with just chat gpt just as a normal platform and started using that through prompts uh to to try and build a simple intelligence report uh with you know an assessment iteration one uh yeah you had to feed it, you've had to feed it bits of information and it was fine at, at like um, producing a, a simple report, like outlining the facts in a, a logical way 
um, you could give it right. the structure of a report, which is cool. Um, but then it struggled when you got to the analysis part and putting in an assessment. And, you know, if you try to tell it to pr- provide a, a six-month outlook, it would pretty much go, no, I'm not, I'm not trained to do that. I can't do that. So I'd have to, like, do um, go do the roundabout way and be like, okay, provide me a hypothetical scenario where blah, 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 yeah. blah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it would come up with um, some pretty... Oh, you could say it's more, you could say it was a a, a credible assessment. Um, some of it was pretty, pretty far reaching, but at the same time, you know, I've seen some pretty, some similar assessments by some pretty reputable people out there. Um, and the focus was, was always on the China Taiwan situation. Um, and, you know, one of the funny things that did, uh, when I first noticed it was do the, one of the assessments that it made was the, um, chance of a, a miscalculation in the Taiwan Strait. Uh, between yeah the West and, and China, which a lot of a lot of think tanks, a lot of analysts out there, that's what they predict the most likely to be, um, including myself. Right. Yeah, if we're talking about kinetic uh, conflict, so I was actually pretty surprised uh, surprised there. And so I moved on from there, um, and we'll, we'll stick with ChatGPT for now. Um, and I was like, okay, well, and then ChatGPT uh, GPT four came out, uh, right with the uh, ability to, to utilize plugins, which was another cool thing. But I'll stop there. Do you have any questions so far? Uh, yeah. So I, I guess my main question would be from the China-Taiwan assessment. Do you think that it's because it's just artificial intelligence? So it's only coming from a logical basis. And that Man. is how you and I, you know, that's how it, the intelligence community works is through a logical uh, we take everything and then we make a logical conclusion. Do you think that's why it made that same assessment? Yeah, and because, you know, in, in the case of OpenAI or, or ChatGPT, it's only trained up until 2021, so that's right. Uh, unless you give it um, uh, more relevant and, and more recent information, which I was doing. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I think it's just the, the logical deductions based on what it knows and what you've given it. Uh, but the, the thing that I, I really wanted to see it do and I don't think it's possible with the with the front end of front end of ChatGPT is actually see the analysis behind the assessment, which is important. If you were to go ahead and use that, and then someone was to question and be like, "Hey, how'd you get to this?" We can't be like, "Oh, I just asked ChatGPT." You know? <laughs> yeah. Or you if could. You, did say you that, could. Yeah, yeah. Or if There's you did, credibility you know, lost. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'd be like, "Oh, well, I I I leveraged ChatGPT, and and this is the analysis behind it." Um, and they can be like, "Oh, fuck, okay." Well, they, yeah, but, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we don't actually have that at the moment, or not at least that I've seen. But I, I certainly think it is the logical aspect of it um, that led to the deductions. And I've, I've actually um, given it uh, analysis of competing hypothesis to do, uh, and it's actually it's able to come out with um, you know hypothetical scenarios using that technique. But again, you don't see the working behind it, right? Or you see you some working. Trust it. Yeah, you see some working, but you don't. It's not very. It's not deep. I should say, yeah. Yeah, so then uh, GPT-4 comes out. You can start using plugins. What are what are you doing with that? Yeah, so like, this is really interesting. So if you get a subscription to, to GPT-4, you, um, you get access to plugins. And plugins are things that are made by people, and they do a, a specific thing. So, for example, you might get a, a PDF reader plugin, which you can um, activate uh, and put a link in for a PDF and... It'll go out, analyze the PDF, and then you can ask questions about that PDF, and it's it's great. Um, there's another one that'll scrape the um, a bunch of different news sources for most recent uh, news. Um, there's one that scrapes Substack. There's one that uh, pulls academic uh, journals. Uh, there's all sorts of things. So I was like, okay, th- this is this is pretty cool. So I thought about the uh, the intelligence cycle uh, rather than just focusing on the, the analysis and, and producing a report. I wanted to go back further and, and do the collection and mm-hmm. leveraging the plugins, you, you've certainly got that ability to do, at least online. So I used, um, use, uh, you know, uh, the news, uh, I think it was called World, World News was the plugin, uh, as well as uh, just a normal link reader. Um, and you're able to combine those to, to be like, okay, find me the re- most recent articles on, on China, China, China Taiwan situation. And then tell it, link reader, activate. Uh, sorry, visit these articles and provide me an analysis based on those articles. And you know, for the most part, it provides a pretty good start point um, if you're doing some exploration. 
I wouldn't use it uh, as the be all and end all. But if 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 that's part of your process, just to to go out, read the news and and scrape some <laughs> news outlets, I think it's great in that respect. It certainly sped up a lot of a lot of yeah. my work just just that part. Yeah, um, but then you know there's there is a need to to go deeper if you want to do more considered research. So for the collection aspect, using the plugins, it was really good. Um, and then from there, going down to the analysis piece, it still ran into the same problem. Except I think, yeah, GPT-4, is, it was interesting. You could actually ask it to come up with an assessment um, and there would be less roadblocks. Can't, I can't say that the assessments are always accurate or they're, yeah. they're very value-adding, but um, it's an assessment nonetheless. It's a, a predictive assessment. It's given it a shot, right? Yeah, right. really interesting. Yeah, and I think everyone... I, I will. I'll stick with that. Everyone, it has some sort of fear that AI is going to take over all of the jobs, and yeah. then subsequently, after all the jobs are taken, you know, there's the wild conspiracies of a future like Terminator and Skynet and things like that. But yeah. I'd, I'd like to get your assessment on currently where we stand with AI, with you know, ChatGPT, Bard, with Google, yeah. all of those things on. Is it taking away the analyst's job or is it improving the abilities of the analyst or is it the, the opposite of that? Is it taking away from the ability of the analyst because it could be giving out some improper information? So at the moment, I look at it as efficiency gains, um, speeding up the workflow, uh, using it, uh, leveraging AI to uh, provide, not, I'm not going to say start points, but at least... Uh, provide ideas um, if you've got access to plugins then that's cool but I think the real value comes in the integration of AI into traditional intelligence platforms so unfortunately I don't have access to, to Palantir these days um, so I'm not I'm not plugged into the the national security game uh, with defense but you know I, I saw things about um, AI integration into Palantir so if you've got this um, if you're using utilizing Palantir and you've got your suppository of reporting, you know, you've got, I don't know, FireWire reporting, Stone Ghost, whatever, um, and you're able to get that and leverage AI and ask AI questions about that reporting and ask it to analyze and find trends in that, then that's gold. Because I've used, um, so front-facing public data from, from different um, agencies in New Zealand, and I've been like, and I've been... Like, hey, can you analyze these numbers for trends? Can you analyze this information for trends? And it's been really, really good in that respect. Okay. So if you're able to do that with with actual intelligence um, and the work you're doing, that will speed up the process. So just say you had 100-odd reports and you asked your penalty, okay, provide me um, all the instances where so-and-so is mentioned and, you know, and where he's been moving for the last 24 days. I'm pretty sure that you'd be able to be like, okay, based on what we've read, da, 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 this is where he's been. This is his right. um, pattern of life. You don't have to do it. We've done it for you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I certainly yeah, see I, that. If it's not happening already, I certainly see that that's the future. Yeah, I know that um, there has been some discussion of using it for with within like imagery. Yeah. And just saying, hey, how many tanks are within a 10-mile radius of a certain location? Yep. Um, and, and what we found or what, what yeah. was found during sort of the initial testing was that it would get things wrong. Mm. Yeah. It would be, you know, 20 tanks in this area and you take an analyst and they look at it and they do the actual counting, you know, bean counting is what, what yeah. we would call it. Yeah. And you go, well, no, there's only six. Well, how did it, what did it say 10? You go back yeah. to it and you say, well, this tree trunk looked like a turret. So yeah. it, it kind of did that. And then, um, oh, well, the backside of this house looked like the backside of whatever tank you were looking or any kind of tank. Yeah. And so uh, I was, I had that same assessment where it wasn't going, at yeah. least now and within the next two decades, I don't see it taking the jobs away. I just see it yeah. as an improvement to what an analyst can do. Because like you just said, now you're, you're time poor as an analyst yeah. all the time yeah. because you're always having to read everything and look at everything. And now you have a buddy there that can do all of that for you within seconds and, yeah. and improve kind of those 
tedious menial tasks that we have as analysts. Yeah. And, you know, if we look at it in a military context, right, uh, even if AI gets to the point where it's doing really good analysis and it's providing some really good insights and trends, I don't think the analyst is going to be replaced because at the end of the day, there still needs to be a human element to the interpretation of the data and, um, and things like that. But also, you know, a commander doesn't have the time to sit behind a computer and, and start prompting right. AI and be like, where's the bad guys? <laughs> yeah, stuff like, yeah. And then you've got to read through all this reporting. You've got to send someone to put that together for them and give them a brief. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. And, and whenever you were talking to me, you know, offline about how you're leveraging AI maybe as an intelligence analyst, yeah. that it was my exact thought was as an intelligence analyst, the number one thing you do is disseminate that to the commander, right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, have you tried to to do that with AI? You know, hey, role play as an intelligence analyst and brief the commander on whatever the situation is. No, I, I haven't actually done that. Um, I think that's a pretty interesting idea. I think the only reason I haven't done it is because that's not what I do these days. Um, right. Uh, yeah, I think that would be interesting. I know uh, in my day job, um, or at least across the New Zealand government, um, there's a lot of guidance coming out now about the use of large language, large language models. Um, you know, there's a lot of privacy issues and things like that. And, and it's, right. it's, it's the Wild West at the moment. Like, you just access it. You pretty much copy-paste if you're using an unrestricted system. You'll copy-paste potentially sensitive data into these yeah. language models. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite, quite touchy. Yeah, and even... You know, people may be thinking, well, do you have a, an AI system on a classified device? Um, and I yeah. know that they're working on doing that, on pulling the large language modeling system, pulling yeah. that, and then putting it onto a classified device. And yeah. the way that that works is you cut it off from the unclassed device, <laughs> and then you sort of update its algorithms and stuff through yeah. the classified device. So there's no... Uh, there's no spillage or anything like that. Yeah. But e even on the unclassed portion, the unclassified portion, if you're just at your home, you know, there, you could run into documents within your office that, yeah, it's not highly classified, but it is proprietary information for the government or it's official use only or CUI, as we call it now, yeah. that it doesn't need to be put out there. Things yeah. like, uh, medical records of you know of, of military personnel that's not classified but it kind of yeah. is because you're not you should not be putting that stuff out there yeah. so seeing maybe an analyst unfortunately putting that information um into chat gpt or any one of the the language models could definitely be uh it could be it could ruin a, a an entire government maybe because that yeah. information gets out there yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's quite it can be quite sensitive, and because as I said, you know, it's the wild west, and um, I think only now, at least in New Zealand, we're starting to kind of pay attention to it. Um, but in terms of going back to my own experiments and projects with it, um, so I moved on from ChatGPT and the front end, and I and I got hold of what's called AutoGPT. Have you heard of that? I've heard of it. I've not used it. Yeah. So I started I started playing with that. Um, it's a took a while to get set up. Um, you know, I'm not a I'm not a very technical person when it comes to um, back end work, but um, I got it set up anyway. Um, I'll read what it is because this is, explains it better than I can. So, AutoGPT awesome. is an AI agent that, given a goal in natural language, will attempt to achieve it by breaking it into subtasks and using the internet and other tools in an automatic loop. And so, essentially, what that is, um, from my experience, is each time you use it, it creates its own like mini. Um, mini language bot I suppose and I'll be like okay you are now an intelligence analyst uh, you're focused on geopolitical issues in the southwest pacific I need you to um, to train yourself on all the uh, emerging issues across the southwest pacific and provide me uh, a 24-month assessment strategic assessment and so you give it that and it'll just create tasks after task after task and start training itself and it gets to the point where Okay, it starts accessing the internet and things like that, runs into a roadblock, and then it'll start generating Python code and creating its own Py uh, Python scripts to start 
um, solving that task and be like, okay, so I've done that. I've got a Python script here. I'm going to run that. Boom. Okay. I've just scraped all this information, all this, all these websites for information. Okay. Now I need to analyze it. So now I'm going to create a Python script uh, that allows me to run an analytical technique over this information. And then I'll just keep going, going and going and going. It's still, I think it's still quite experimental in that respect. Um, for the likes of intelligence analysts, the request is quite uh, complex. And so it gets to the point where it'll start creating so many Python scripts. Uh, it'll start noticing uh, errors in the code that it's writing. So it'll get into this weird feedback loop where it just ends up just fixing itself over and over again to create like the perfect model. And because yes. it's because it leverages the, the open AI API, which you have to pay for, it starts wasting credits on it. So it's just oh. like, oh, okay. But that's that's kind of where I got to uh, in terms of developing it. So you have I certainly have to research more into uh, being able to make my own language model. Um, and that's something that I'm doing in my spare time. Because I think if you're just using the front end of ChatGBT, yeah, sure, it, it's good. It, there is value in it. But to get to the nuts and bolts of it and to actually provide something of value, you have to get into these more complex uh, systems. Yeah, you definitely can't let AI do the analysis for you. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's just what you spoke about being time poor and just saying, yeah. you know, a summary of 22,000 words yeah. is really good for an analyst to, to get his hands on. Yeah. Just kind of break down what's important because there's a lot of fluff in that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I also think what you've described is, is something that would that maybe scares a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Because you're getting into machine learning. Yeah. And having the, you know, the artificial intelligence device fixing itself. Yeah. Just like a human would. I mean, that's how you would teach yourself to play chess, right? Trial and error. And you'd you'd get into, uh, you know, an error made in a game. And then you'd go and study that and fix it. And it is doing it way faster than we can. Yeah. Um, So do you, do you see any future problems with that or do you just see it as hey i don't as some scientists would say i don't think this can become sentient so there's really no pro there's no issue in doing that kind of stuff honestly based on what i saw through auto gpt and again i don't have a back a background in ai or machine learning or anything like that but i certainly see a possibility where you know it's that that could happen where I'm not going to say it becomes sentient, but it gets to the point where it becomes so efficient and it starts becoming so aware of its own shortfalls. It'll probably start becoming aware of the human shortfall and start addressing that yeah. through the through the machine. I'll be like, okay, I, I see that as a possibility. And I've talked about this with a friend and we, we spoke about, okay, well, there's these governments, the US government, the Chinese government, right? Spending billions, no doubt billions on AI machine learning. Yeah, surely in the depths of some government lab that this is already happening. It's just very controlled. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I mean, there's no doubt that if, yeah. if we're using it, um, I, I consider myself a simpleton. I'm not yeah. I'm not that much in, you know, I'm not in the CIA. I'm not in any, in, I mean, not in any intelligence community anymore. Yeah. Um, so I don't have an aspect on a highly classified side of what those personnel are doing. And I would be very surprised if they weren't doing something similar. And I think the scariest thing is what you brought up about, you know, it's the AI is fixing itself and then it fixes itself and then it goes to fix humans or wants to fix the world that it's in. And I've heard this brought up a lot of times that, AI decides to fix the world, the first thing it would go after is humans because it would say, well, what's the main cause of a lot of the destruction going on right now? Well, it's humans. So what do we do with that? Well, you destroy all humans and everything will be fine. (laughs) Sounds like something out of a sci-fi movie. Yeah. Terminator. Yeah, it's Terminator. It's Look, every probably every dystopian... Uh, book yeah. that's been writ that's been written. Every movie that's coming out now is all dealing with with this kind of stuff. It, um, it, it, I saw one recently, and it was about human trafficking or you know child trafficking. It, and they created an AI child to kind of manipulate it, these uh, these adults it, so they can 
go out there and find the adult and arrest him. And what ha- what they found, what happens at the end of the movie, so I won't say the movie so that no one, it's not spoiler because you don't even know what the movie is, but at the end, she becomes this this AI little girl, becomes sentient and starts yeah. to, dis- you know, destroy the people that made her by posting who they are and posting yeah. things about them in order to get rid of them and then she has taken over the full aspect of that program and now she can go without any handcuffs can go out there and just do whatever you know killing these individuals or whatever she needed to do yeah i think that's a very scary uh thought when we're talking about oh maybe 10 20 years down the line yeah but i mean a lot of a lot of the scary that's not not even talking about ai taking over but even just people leveraging ai for like things like disinformation and things like that right that's already happening and well, take take for example um, yourself. You know, you've got a podcast. Your, your your voice is on public record, and there's lots of right, record of your voice. The technology is already there to, for them to take and someone to mimic your voice, and make you say things that you don't actually say. Um, so yeah, the threat of bad actors utilizing AI is there. So that's you know that's already quite quite uh, scary, um, and it's a challenge that's only going to become more apparent. I think. Um, yeah, I think that yeah. should be the focus. Um, yeah. we're seeing a lot of. Uh, within the United States, within our government, Congress, the House of Representatives, there's a lot of talk about how do we regulate AI so yeah. that this doesn't happen. And I am under yeah. the the theory that anytime at least the U.S. government gets their hands on something and regulates it, it turns poor. It turns poorly for the yeah. regular people. <clears throat> and so I've, I've been trying to tell people, I don't think we need to regulate it or or sanction it. What we need to be doing is leveraging how to counter it. Mm. You know, you wouldn't yeah. say, oh, hey, we've got this terrorism problem. Well, how do we regulate that? That's not yeah. what you would say. You would say, how do you counter yeah. that issue? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so that's 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 something that's on the horizon, and that's something that uh, was outlined in recent uh, documents that were released here in New Zealand. Um, but also, if we go back to the replacement of the human by AI like an intelligent, in the intelligence community. So we talked about the analyst. I don't think the analyst is going to get replaced anytime soon. Their job will just be made more efficient. Uh, there'll be a, probably a better analyst for it because they have these quite powerful tools. But then if we if we go back uh, before the analyst, if we go to the collector, I think there's still, there's still the role of at least the human collector um, mm-hmm. in the intelligence community. Uh, probably things like signals as well. Um, there's always going to be a human ele- element for intelligence collection there's, I don't think there's two ways about that um, so there's yeah there's that and, and if if we're going to use AI collection I think that'll be more the world of Ozint mm-hmm. um, yeah but things uh, Sigint Elint Human I think there's still a massive human factor for that yeah I think we found out especially for the we shut when we shut everything down for COVID um, there was yeah. a conversation of are we going to ever be comfortable being face to face again I think what we learned in that experiment was we have a desire as humans to be face-to-face. Yeah. You know, even you and I, we're virtual right now. We can see each other's faces. But there's something to be said if we were in the same room. Yeah. The conversation could be different. Yeah. And that humans need that. They need that physical presence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And even... I just can't see, like, even you're working in an austere environment, right? Um, for right. the Middle East, Middle East, for example, that's, to me, that's not a AI environment. That's cutting around on the ground, you know? Yeah. Leveraging, leveraging sources, handling sources, things like that. Um, yeah. So there's a space for AI. Uh, it's certainly got a, it's all about efficient, efficiency gains for me at the moment, especially uh, as an end user uh, in the public domain. Don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, and the governments and uh, national security and things like that. But yeah, efficiency gains is where we're currently at, uh, but there is potential for it to, to quickly de, I guess, what's the word, devolve into some bad things if we let it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely could devolve into um, sort of a an evil, I would say, yeah. if we allow it to get, if we allow the certain people to get involved that have evil intents, and they can are try. You, are you using? Uh, I do. You know, 
the way I use it is to summarize things like I was okay. talking about. I will take big. Yeah. Um, so Bard, the Google yeah. GP, yeah. you know, the Google AI bot does a really good job of scraping. It has that plugin already nice. within it to, to scrape yeah. everything. Yeah. So like, you know, the, what I will probably do is the U.S. just put out their national intelligence strategy for 2023. Yeah. Nice. So I can send that entire document to Bard. Um, it already has yep. it because it scrapes everything. Yeah. And just instead of having to read a hundred something pages, you know, yeah. of the national intelligence strategy, I can now get a summary within yep. twenty five hundred words of yep. of what's in there and the key the key points of it. So yeah. that's how I'm that's, trying to use yeah. it. Yeah, that's uh for my that's how I use it as well for especially for all con and, and that stuff. It's it's summarizing its key points. Um because you know, especially if you're doing these big policy documents, you know, yeah, they they use a hundred pages to say a couple pages worth of you know good stuff. Yeah, so it's it's like for us uh, as Intel analysts, you can kind of get that summary and and it's great. Yeah, um, it won't. I agree with you. It's not going to take the the jobs away. I don't know if it ever will, but I just don't know the yeah. future. But the, yeah. the the type of person that the job is being taken away. from, from and something that I'm interested in seeing what the future is going to look like is in the legal realm, eh, eh. where you know you have these these sort of um, paralegals and all that they do is read and summarize. Well, now eh. your paralegal could be ChatGPT. Yeah, and a, at least in the United States, within our legal system, something that lawyers try to leverage is this sort of massive document dump the day before trial starts and yep. that's the overwhelm the the lawyers and you know have them maybe miss out on some key issues that are in there yeah. i think it could be it's very beneficial in the legal system to yeah. hopefully in the future not have that happen where yeah. lawyers are trying to leverage these data dumps because you yeah. do a data dump the day before well in about 35 seconds to two minutes i'm gonna have every key point that's within these documents. Yeah. And so, it, yeah, that might take the job away from a paralegal, but it's also, you know, like we've, we've discussed on how AI just can't take away from verification. Mm. So even in that aspect, they, it could scrape the entire, all the data from the entire document dump and get things wrong or miss yep. out on key aspects. Yeah. So you've, there's this sort of you've got to you've got to understand it and use it correctly, yeah, or else you're going to fail at it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that legal uh, aspect's really interesting. Um, I I actually used it it's not in an intelligence context, but some um, I needed to understand some legislation for this work I was doing around my house. Um, yeah, so I just plugged in and said, "ChatGPT, ask it some questions," and it was it perfectly summarized and answered the question that I needed. And yeah. save me having to go through or even consult with a a, a public lawyer. <laughs> that's like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. That's probably why there, there's so much um, hang up across agencies at the moment. I'm pretty sure the hang ups are always with legal. Maybe they. Oh, definitely. Yeah, lawyers are there the going. They're <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, how do I keep my job? Let's write this out. Yeah. Well, uh, we can move move the kind of just a few more. I'll only take a few more minutes of your time. That's right. Um, but I do want to get your assessment on New, New Zealand's current current strategy within the Indo-Pacific. Yeah. Um, I know that they're boosting defense spending. Uh, if you if you just want to give a quick assessment on what you're yeah. seeing, what you like, what you if you can say what you don't like. Um, if you can't, I'll talk to you offline. You can tell me then. <laughs> no, no. So yeah, I'll, I'll quickly um, talk to the recent documents that released. So up until this point, New Zealand, we, we, we didn't have a national security strategy. We had a national security system. And... Apologies for anyone who's listening and if I butcher this, but uh, from the reading that I did and my understanding, the national security system was just a, a conceptual framework that if something were to happen, a national security inci incident, um, a bunch of agencies will come together underneath a, uh, what's called ODESC. I forget what the acronym actually means, but it's called ODESC. And all the heads would come together, come up with a formulated plan, and then the plan would be enacted. It didn't really determine or specify how different agencies should be working together. So there was a lot of when things did happen, there was a lot of uh, cultural barriers, there were a lot of um, 
technical barriers and you know cross-agency misunderstanding so it wasn't very efficient and i think you know we've had a, a few instances where that was proven uh both in a national security context and with um natural disasters and things like that so uh that was one of the lessons learned so this year they've come out and published the national security strategy first what first of its kind and the big uh the big thing behind this is bringing the national security conversation out into the public because i think even socially and culturally in New Zealand, national security really isn't at the forefront of people's minds. Um, you know, if we if we liken it to the United States, I think there's more of a public awareness towards national security, uh, whereas in New Zealand, it's certainly it's it's not on people's radar. You know, um, at least the general public. But the whole Do you have an idea of why that is. It's just a. For, this is my my opinion. So my opinion is just because of our. Um, our isolation in the world, um, mm-hmm. you know, our strategic isolation. We've be, been quite insulated from a lot of the things that have happened around the world. Um, and it's only until recent years where it's become more realized where a lot of even like uh, violent extremism has been brought to New Zealand. And it's always existed in New Zealand. It's just never been made very public because it's been very isolated and low level. But then when we had the spectacular attack um, on March 15th in Christchurch, the shooting of the mosques, Right, that's where it become really apparent, and since then we've had, um, you know, Islamic extremism, some very some isolated things there, and so, and then that's not even to mention things like climate change and impacts from that. Uh, we've got you know more extreme weather events which are adversely impacted communities, and so, right. yeah, it's just years, decades of being isolated and insulated from the world, but now with the world becoming more globalized, now we have to start bringing this conversation to the forefront and make people more aware increased public perception and things like that. So we've got a strategy, which is cool. Uh, as part of the strategy, uh, there's been another document released, which was the first unclassified threat assessment, which is has our uh, New Zealand Security Intelligence Service actually coming forward and saying, these are the threats to New Zealand in the public domain. Rather than saying in the past, it's been quite um, ambiguous. Like, okay, yeah, there's great power competition, blah, blah, blah. Um, but now, you know, they've gone and they've specified, okay, well, we've got foreign interference in New Zealand from China, Russia, and Iran, um, mm-hmm. foreign interference in the form of political, economic coercion, things like that. Um, violent extremism is still uh, is still in New Zealand. It's still, although the, the threat is low, uh, it's assessed as realistic possibility, but there are still elements of that in New Zealand. Um, and then there's uh, the threat uh, or the impacts of, of climate change and things like that. So the key one, the key one for me to fall out of that which is fed into uh, the defence policy and where New Zealand's military is headed is the the realism over China, right? So realizing that China is a major uh, political dri- uh, sorry a major driver of geopolitical change in the Indo-Pacific, yep. um, the assertiveness and the willingness to try for China to try and bend the will in the Pacific to you know a different rules-based order. Um, so yeah, that was the biggest thing, and that certainly influenced where the defense force wants to head or the military wants to head. All right. Uh, so that sounds just like a lot like what I'm pretty sure I'm going to read in the National Intelligence Strategy for the U.S. It's uh-huh. the the Great Powers, um, and then China, Russia, yeah, that kind of thing. So uh, just uh, I'll ask just a real quick assessment yeah. on um, if if somebody says, well. Taiwan is part of China. So all this starts off because there is this analysis that China will reunify Taiwan into yeah. China. So if they do that, what would you tell someone, a New Zealander, a Kiwi, who who may not be worried and say, but that's just Taiwan. They were always China. They should have been China. Why should we be worried about that? Well, then, yeah, because you got China, Taiwan. Cool. Well, let's zoom out. Let's zoom out. Let's talk about who... Taiwan engages with who the partners are okay well one of those is the US okay so right. well who, who's one of our uh, who's is the US major partners in the Indo-Pacific okay well it's Australia okay they're the major ally and who's New Zealand's only ally okay it's Australia so right. you know the interconnectedness is there and should uh, China Taiwan be the catalyst for a major conflict that draws another powers unfortunately New Zealand is likely to be drawn drawn into that regardless of trade regardless of our relationships with with china and things like that new zealand's going to be drawn into it in one way or the other purely because of our our treaties um and our ally 
with uh, Australia. So, but I think in that respect, I think people are waking up to that fact. Yeah, um, yeah especially the, the point is Australia is our only ally. The US right. is a partner, but Australia is an ally. So I, I, I'd like to think where Australia goes, we go. And the way the military is shaping, we are looking, my take on it is that there's going to be, um, essentially we're forming a, a big unit that will just integrate easily into the Aussie Defence Force, uh, whether that's a, a motorised brigade or or something. But everything is shaping to integration to the Aussies, should Aussie go to war alongside the US. I'm almost certain that would be part of that, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a wonderful, perfect, beautiful breakdown. I agree <laughs> with everything that, that you said just there. Um, and I think that just gives the listeners an, a view of how the intelligence analyst mind works. And it's yeah. like, yeah, we're focused in on this one thing, but let's kind of scan out and see what's going on around it to understand the why of what's important on that focused in level. Yeah, and I, I will caveat that with there are there are there is nuance to that and there are many, many different factors that can influence that. But if we're looking right. at it in simplistic terms, who we're partnered with militarily, who our allies are, um, and I, I don't want to, you know, sound alarmist or make hyperbo- hyperbolic statements or anything like that, but in simple terms that's that's a, a likely scenario. Right. Well, Cole, thank you so much for coming on. Um I wanna give you as much time as, as you need just to let everybody know what you're doing now, where they can find you, and uh, you know how they can get in touch with you if they need to. Yeah, yeah. So um, so I'm on Instagram at, at orcon.intel. You can find me there. Uh, also, and on via Instagram, you can pretty much find the links for everything else. But um, for my website, it's orcon.intel.com. So orcon is spelled A-L-C-O-N, intel.com. Uh, and what I'm doing there are providing free services at the moment just to get my name out there and provide uh free content um yeah keen to to prove my value so if you're interested in geopolitical or intelligence backed content with some insightful insights behind that then please get in touch um just flick me an inf- uh, an email info at allcontentintel.com awesome yeah get in now while it's free because yeah yeah he's this guy's not going to be free for long it's good information i love it i respect you a lot cole like once again, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate the conversation. Uh, thanks for having me, Kevin. I always love coming on to your podcast and even just talking to you in general. It's always a good time.